saw this guy and he came over and said, hi, I'm David. And this is my girlfriend here. And this is my wife here. And that's her boyfriend there. And I was like, oh, we are not in Kansas anymore. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 125. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Laura and David. They have a little bit of a cautionary tale, but they have gotten to an amazing place. Yeah, they will tell you. Actually, they tell us right in the middle that this is maybe how not to do it right. <laughs> at certain points, but it is actually a really fascinating tale. Not even a tale. Why do we keep calling it a tale? I don't know. It's not like it's Paul Bunyan's tall tale. <laughs> it's their story. It's their story. And it is amazing. And they're amazing people. We actually met them when we were out on our East Coast whirlwind tour last fall, and they're fantastic. So we're excited to be able to share this and to get the word out about Polycamp, which is one of their projects that they've been working on. And hopefully... It goes off without a hitch this summer. Fingers crossed. So check it out, listen, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Next up, a couple of very quick announcements. We got some exciting announcements. Our virtual meet and greet, which if you've listened recently, you've heard us talk about. But we are doing a new virtual meet and greet. This will be on May 28th from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. So all of you West Coasters like us can also participate. Yeah, you just have to put the kids to bed at 6. They'll they'll be fine. They'll get you up early the next day, but it's worth it. Just put them in front of a movie. So what we're doing is we're getting everybody together on Zoom, and we're going to utilize the breakout room feature where we're going to basically ask a question to the group and then send you off into one-on-one rooms with somebody else, and you talk about the question for a little while, for five minutes or so, and then we bring everybody back together scramble the rooms and do it again. And we did this a couple of weeks ago with our Patreon uh, group, and it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a blast, and we're excited to open it up to everybody. So there is information on how to sign up if you go over to normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the events tab at the top. And all of the information you could ever need is there, and we hope to see you sign up. It's already filling up, so get in there. Join yeah, us. and if you do become a Patreon member, you do, do get a discount. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well as a little bit of encouragement if you want and are interested in becoming a Patreon member. Uh, also, if you have any questions for us about this event or any thoughts, please reach out to us. Um, I guess also, if you want to come on the show, also reach out to us. You can find our contact information on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Yep, we love to hear from everybody. And we actually got a message from somebody the other day who wrote us a question and we answered and they responded and said, well, you really do respond. <laughs> so we aren't liars. We really do respond. Yes, so we do. We, we look forward to hearing you and having you on the show and even more so seeing you at the virtual meet and greet. Let's go talk to Lauren David. Yes. Let's go hear their tale. <laughs> tall tale. Their tall tale. <laughs> no, not really, but... <laughs> 
Well, welcome, Laura and David. We're excited for you have you here, and there's no need to be nervous. I promise. <laughs> yeah, we met we met you guys back. I don't know what four or five last six, fall. Last fall, when we were on our East Coast road trip tour. So it's yeah. exciting to catch up a little bit and to share your story with with the world, as it were. <laughs> so. Uh, for anybody who didn't get the chance to meet you guys or hasn't met you, do you mind introducing yourselves and we'll kind of take it from there? So uh, my name is Laura and I'm 41 and this is... I'm David and I'm 46, I think. Yeah, 46. <laughs> and um, we live in the Northeast uh, and we've been together for about five years. We live together with... Um, one child that we share and two of my children from a previous relationship. And David also has two adult yeah. children that are launched in college, basically. They've fled the nest. Yes, they, they're almost done. Too, so, but, but we've kind of started over with our child, so, which is fun and tiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's as far as stories go, so I'm just going to jump into my story then, as far as how I got into polyamory. So I think this is a kind of a classic story as far as, you know, got married very young. I got married, I was like 21, literally like I just turned 21 and then had kids by 23, 24 and, uh, had married my high school sweetheart and had never been with anyone else, uh, you know ever <laughs> and and for long after that as well and um you know as we got older we um i guess we kind of you get into a routine a rut kind of thing as far especially like like sexually and and i i'm just yeah i'll just jump right into this so, so i um over the years it, it, be, it became clear that we weren't really sexually compatible but i didn't know anything about open relationships, uh, non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, anything like that. I don't like, and so I, uh, um, I'm not really, I'm not proud of this, but I cheated. I went outside of the marriage and found someone and, uh, and that was really, really, uh, difficult because it was, I'd always thought of myself as a very honest person. And here I was being very unhonest, you know, being, uh, you know, betraying someone that I cared about. Uh, it was a really hard time in my life. And I, and I, I mentioned it because, uh, you know, I don't normally say this, you know, talk to people about this, you know, when they ask me how I get into polyamory, I'm like, Oh, you know, I just, you know, we decided to try it or something, you know, I don't really talk about, Oh, I actually cheated. And then, you know, uh, the shit hit the fan at one point and, and, you know, my wife found out and then we talked about it. Um, and that's when I discovered polyamory because I then actually looked into it. You know, I was like, well, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. This whole monogamy thing's not working for me. What do I do? And the thing is I should have done that before I cheated, but, but I didn't know. know. You don't know. I, yeah. I, I knew nothing. And, you know, I grew up kind of, um, in a very conservative household and, and, uh, fairly religious. Although at this point I'm a pretty staunch atheist and anti-theist. Uh, so, so I've changed a lot over the years, but yeah, I didn't know. And so I was ashamed and, but I knew that I could not go back to being monogamous because I knew once that cat was out of the box, so to speak, that I knew that I could try to stuff it down, 
but eventually it would come back out, you know, and I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to be in that position again. So I, uh, I broached the subject with my then wife and, and, uh, at first she was like, no freaking way. And, and didn't want to, didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but then she started chatting with an old high school sweetheart and that changed her mind. <laughs> and, uh, so that's kind of my backstory, how I got into it. And, and, um, you know, once the, the affair came out, uh, that, um, relationship ended the one with the person who I was having an affair with. And then we, my wife and I started to look into polyamory. We actually went on a, a dinner date with, um, uh, a couple that we found on an old website, an old poly website. And we went to dinner with them and they're like, Oh, there's this event happening in three weeks. And so we're like, Oh, can we go? And so we went and we went to this event and it, and it's just a kind of surreal situation where you, you come from a very conservative monogamous background and then you're suddenly being thrust into this world. And, you know, we're driving there and we're thinking, Oh, is this going to be a huge orgy? What is this going to be? You know, we were just very, very, uh, kind of, scared about what it what it meant uh and so there were some growing pains and whatnot in that world but it's evolved a lot since then so. but it wasn't a huge orgy no it wasn't a huge orgy just <laughs> to be clear but uh it was a polyamory weekend and there was yeah. a lot of board gaming yeah <laughs> it was pretty mundane but, yeah. <laughs> but but good to uh to kind of you know be able to talk with other people who um you know were practicing that lifestyle. And now, you know, over the years, uh, polyamory, I've realized is not the panacea that I thought it would be. <laughs> it's not as, as great as people make it out to be. Um, or at least my opinion, I've seen too many, too many relationships get torn apart because the shiny new person came along. So, so there's, there's a, a balance there and it's, and it's a very, it's like a knife's edge. So, so it's a tough, at least that's my opinion at this point in my life. So, so, so yeah, thank you so much, David, for sharing sort of a little bit of that. And that, that was, I mean, not an easy way to get into it. It was, no. I know you said you weren't super proud of it, but you've, you and, and her, it sounds like sort of found a way to explore uh, non-monogamy for at least some time. Um, and you, you mentioned that she was your, your ex-wife now. So it, it ultimately didn't end up, working out in the long run but i guess are you willing to share a little bit about how you got up to that point and maybe where maybe where you met laura and how that sort of came to be mm -hmm. yeah so there's um uh so that was probably around 2010 or so and uh i didn't meet laura until what, 20, 2015 or so Mm -hmm. So I had a very serious relationship with another person that I met shortly after becoming polyamorous. Um, uh, and that lasted about five years. It was, it was, it was really great. Um, you know, connecting with that person. And my wife also connected with someone who she's actually still seeing now my ex-wife. And, and, uh, it just, you know, over the years, we kind of drifted more and more apart we're, we're very, we're still friends and we still talk and, you know, um, and, uh, still see each other every now and then, but our like romantic relationship ended, um, a long time ago, probably 
probably in like 2012 or something like that. So, and it was just kind of a mutual decision. Um, and, and again, see, this is part of the thing with polyamory is, you know, the, the kind of shifting focus to other people and, and it, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, um, it just seems to be human nature, but yeah. So, and then we met actually, uh, you want to tell the story about how we met? Do you want to jump are into you, that? Are you, you ready to shift? Uh, I, I think so. I don't, I mean, there's a lot of stories I could tell, but I don't want to, you know, spend, you know, hours talking about minutiae. So uh, I'll let you jump into our story. I guess just, just to quickly summarize for you, David. So you were in a, you got married very young, had kids very young, were in a long-term, was in a long-term relationship and monogamously. And then eventually like just out of sheer, probably frustration and not knowing what else is out there too, and not knowing what to do. You did cheat, met someone, but then your wife found out and that relationship, the the outside relationship ended. But then the two of you, your wife and yourself decided to explore polyamory, both met someone else and dated for about other people for about five years until you met Laura. But your um, romantic relationship with your wife ended a few years after opening your marriage. Yeah. Is that a good summary? That's a great summary. Yeah. And and during the time that, that we were open, um, it actually worked pretty, pretty well. Um, my ex-wife was very, uh, welcoming of, of people that I dated. And, and likewise, you know, we, we actually had some really great times together. Um, all of us together kind of thing. So. And that was, that must've been a lot though, to work through too, at that point, like you had to work through, uh, the whole infidelity, but then also transitioning that into opening a relationship. And I'm sure there's a lot we could dig into there, but that's not the focus at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a lot there. There was, you know, starting with rules and then rules melting away over time and things like that. I'm sure you've, um, the other people have had similar stories. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think maybe we can touch back on those later on, uh, but maybe it would be good to kind of hear, Laura's side. Yeah, Laura's side. When when Laura blasted onto the scene. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you tell the story of how we met? So well, no, I'm gonna back up. You're gonna back up. Gonna oh, back you gotta up. tell your story before yeah. we met. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, she she her life didn't begin with you, David. Yes, it did. <laughs> Pretty sure. Um, we have similar backgrounds, actually, David and I. So I also got married very young. Um, I was uh, 21 when I got married, and married my high school sweetheart and had my first baby nine months later and um, lived a pretty like conventional monogamous marriage for about 15 years. And similarly, my ex-husband and I, my then husband, we just, we were never really very sexually compatible. And there were a lot of wonderful components of our relationship. He was my best friend. We had very similar life goals. We were wonderful co-parents together, but the sexual piece was always challenging and became more and more difficult over time. And, and it's like you reach a point where you're tired of trying to force something to work that just doesn't ever seem to work and you just start to give up on it and let it fade away and and focus on other things. But I wasn't really very happy with that. I was frustrated 
And in conversation with a friend one day, just randomly, um, I think I was complaining about my situation and she was like, well, have you ever considered polyamory? And I was like, poly what? She's like polyamory. And she, you know, gave me a little rundown. I'm like, people do that. So I go home and I Google um, and I did what I do, which is to buy several books on the subject, read every article I can find about it and totally immerse myself in studying what I can learn. Mm-hmm. And, um, and eventually I brought it up to um, my then husband. And um, at first he laughed because he thought I was joking. And then when I real, he realized I was not joking. He was pretty devastated. And we talked through it over the course of six months. We read books together. We discussed it, put it down for a while, picked it back up a few months later. Um, And eventually on Christmas afternoon, you know, when like all the Christmas presents have been ripped open and the kids are off playing in their rooms and you're twiddling your thumbs and it's sort of that post-event let down boredom and you can't even do anything because everyone else is doing Christmas for their families. You're just (laughs) having some quiet time. We got into the conversation again and we decided to go for it. We just decided to give it a try. And, um, I reached out to someone else I knew in the community who had an open relationship and told her that we were launching out onto this possibility. And I didn't really know how, to do that. So she invited me over and we sat and had tea and she lent me some more books and added me to some Facebook groups, including a local group in our state that hosts meetups and things like that. And, um, I was looking through past posts and saw that there was a meetup coming up in a week, less than an hour from my house. And, and we live in a pretty rural area. So that was significant. <laughs> so I, I turned to my then husband and I said, you know, how often, how likely is it that there's going to be another meetup like near us in the near future? Let's just go. So we contacted the hosts and they assured us that we were welcome to come, even though we did not know anybody at all. And, um, we drove to this meetup, similarly nervous, scared, not knowing what to expect, but understanding it was pretty much just going to be a potluck and we would meet people. Um, and so we came into this house and met the hosts who were wonderfully friendly and gracious and, um, walked into the next room and I saw this guy and he came over and said, hi, I'm David. And this is my girlfriend here. And this is my wife here. And that's her boyfriend there. And I was like, oh, we are not in Kansas anymore. It's just like, it totally blew my mind. Uh, I was like, you're all here together? <laughs> just, um, and it, it was just so eye-opening. I and mean, I'd never experienced anything like that. I grew up like most of us do, where you you fall in love and you get married and then you stay locked in monogamy till death do you part. And that's it. And just this concept that not only could you have romantic and sexual relationships with other people, but you could openly talk about it. Those people could be friends with each other 
you could all stay at the same house together some nights. It was just like my, my whole world was blown wide open by this, but that was the night we met. And, um, we talked over the course of the night and, you know, really enjoyed chatting. And then on our way home, we sort of, my, my then husband and I were doing the debrief in the car on the way home. And I asked him, I said, well, who, you know, who did you feel like you connected with tonight? Like, was there anyone that really stood out to you that you really liked getting to know? And he said, you know, who I really enjoyed talking to most was this guy, that guy, David. He was really, I feel like we could be friends. And we talked about that for a while. And then he's like, how about you? Who, who did you most enjoy talking to? And I was like, it was David, actually. I really enjoyed talking with him. And my then husband said, no, you can't like David. I said, why not? He said, because I feel like I really connected with him as a friend. You can't date him. I want to be friends with him. And I, I was like, sweetie, I think that's kind of a model from a a different model, you know, like isn't in polyamory world. If you want to be friends with the person that I want to date, isn't that ideal? Isn't that the best situation we could have? And he said, no, they said, why not? He said the bro code, <laughs> but there's no bro code in polyamory. I said, sweetie, I don't think the bro code applies to polyamory. Not, not that, not that broke up. No. <laughs> but there yeah, so there was updated. It, it was it was challenging because David reached out to us through Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I, I messaged you and I was like both of us. You messaged yeah, both of us. And and yeah, I messaged both of them together because I was like I wanted to you know, I didn't want to like uh, I don't know, kind of like jump at you or something. And then I wanted I, I knew they were new to polyamory and I was like, Okay, let's let's all go out together. Kind of. I was, I had talked to my then girlfriend and was like, Oh, let's go out with them as, as couples, you know, and just get to know them. Um, and I was said, go out. Like how many of us, like all of us, like the group of us or us, us. Yeah. And I was like, and I, and I responded with, well, I, I'd really like to go out with you, just you and me sometime. I said, but that isn't what I was proposing. I was, yeah. But that's, that's what we ended up doing. It was like, uh, let's just skip that whole <laughs> going out as couples and just, let's just go out. So, yeah, which was, yeah, it was fun. So we, so that's, that was the start of our relationship. So the two of you ended up going on a date with, without your partners. I, I was a little bummed to hear that right on, on David's side, you were expecting an origin. You showed up and it was board games. <laughs> and you were expecting a potluck. I thought it would have been a real a real twist if you just showed up and it was an orgy. But that's what we gotta deal with here. Yeah. I've found that that um polyamory gatherings are usually potlucks. <laughs> They're not orgies. And yeah. board games. Yeah. And, and bowling. Yeah. I mean, they're just social get-togethers like you would with anybody else. They're not so... um, Sometimes there's stuff going on after hours, but that's usually with just people they already know at those types of get-togethers. Right, right. But I like potlucks. Yeah. Okay, so first date date was good. (laughs) The first date was really good. (laughs) Yeah. And and maybe, maybe take us through, like, 
up roughly up to now or sort of a little bit of that. And then I had some questions for you, Laura, back when you kind of got into it, because there's some things that you kind of went through that I think there's a lot of people who go through um, specifically that when you brought it up to your husband, that he was devastated and that you didn't just bring it up and la-di-da, here we are. Maybe go ahead and ask those questions now. Well, that's fine. Then maybe you can talk about that. Like how, like when you brought that up, obviously you, again, you said he was devastated and then you, you guys worked through this over a, a long period of time before you got there. And I, again, I think that's something that we actually get emails about that pretty frequently. Like I brought it up. My partner said, absolutely not. So we're just never going to do it. And, and that's it. And that's, they just, they write it off and they're done, but maybe there is some hope or a light at the end of the tunnel that it can work out or that you can get well, to the point of exploring that. I think that, um, I think that's a, a really valid choice if you bring it up to your partner and they say absolutely not. And then you decide that you're just going to stick with monogamy. That's a completely valid and reasonable choice. I will, you know, I'll, I'll just say it that, um, yes, my then husband did decide reluctantly to give polyamory a try. We are no longer married. So I'm not sure I'm the success case to hold and, up. And you would, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you would say that that was the reason you're no longer married pretty much. Well, it's related. I mean, I, what I would actually say is that the sexual incompatibility of our marriage was what ended our marriage. And polyamory could have been a way to maintain the deep friendship, the romantic relationship, the co-parenting, the living together, while us each being able to get our needs met sexually. But it didn't work for him. And we gave it the old college try, and it didn't work for him. So we transitioned the relationship into a different kind of relationship. Um, But... I think I also think we know a lot of people whose initial reaction to the idea of polyamory is not jumping up and down for joy. And many of them come around to accepting the idea or even being excited about it. And some of them don't. And at a certain point, you just have to decide. And for me, I think I'll be honest, the tipping point between my then husband and I was I reached a point where I said, I can't face living the rest of my life not having sex. So that's a need that I need to get met. And if, if we can do that by maintaining our relationship in polyamory, that would be my preference. But if that's not, doesn't feel comfortable to you, then we need to go our separate ways. And I think one could perceive that as an ultimatum. Either we open our marriage or this marriage is over, right? That's an ultimatum. On the other hand, the way I perceived it, and I think I was very careful to express it this way and frame it this way, was I have needs that I need to get met. And like, I'm setting a boundary for myself about ensuring that I get my needs met and I'd like, to, I'd like to do this with you, but if I can't, I'm not going to hobble my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. that makes perfect sense. And it's, and it's fair. And, and I, you know, I think too, looking back when you said that you weren't necessarily a success case. And I think 
maybe reframing that in and understanding that right that just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it wasn't a successful relationship right and i guess i'm not weighing in to say it was or wasn't but just for somebody listening that says oh well they broke up or they're not married so they obviously failed the marriage piece and i guess it's not always just that black and white so I like that you brought that up because that's how I feel about my ex-wife. I feel like it wasn't a failure. We just, uh, it was a success. It's just over now, you know? So. Right. Yeah. We all, we, we all grow and. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if yeah. you had a job and you were successful in your job, but eventually you felt like you were, you wanted a different job and you changed jobs, you wouldn't say the first job was a failure. Right. It's just, you just ended it and now you're in a new job. Yeah, no, it's, it's for sure. And I think, you know, not to, to quote Dan Savage again, as we do often, but (laughs) that relationships are the only thing in in our lives that we determine are a failure if they don't last until we die. Right. And that's a perfect example, right. With a job, if you don't have to work one job until you die in order to say it was a successful career at that in that position so right right so thank you yeah so i think that that's our like backstory but yeah yeah so then you so you came together you went on a first date and you said it was really good and a kind of a devilish way but anyway then <laughs> where did your relationship go from there yeah we, we had amazing hand sex in the bar. Oh, we did. Yes. <laughs> and by which I mean my hand was touching his hand, yes. like just hands making out under yeah. the bar. Well, we're just kind of caressing each other's hands. Oh, my God. It was and, pretty hot, yeah, actually. <laughs> so, so I hoped you, yeah. yeah, that was it. I was the goner. But, yeah. <laughs> and then we went parking down by the river and made out in the back of your car. And that's true. Yeah. That sealed the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a teenager again. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, so we we started dating, and at the time, I we lived almost two hours away from each other. But I was I had a a work thing that I was doing about halfway between our houses every other Tuesday, and so we started having a dinner date every other Tuesday after yeah. that after my work thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that eventually became dinner and overnight stays following that. And, and our relationship started to grow and there was, you know, there was a fair amount of conflict for a while in the other relationships we had. Yeah. Not with your wife. Not with my wife. Uh, my then girlfriend, she, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but basically she was not very okay. She was not okay with me dating other people, essentially is what it boiled down to, despite identifying as polyamorous herself and that you were married. Yeah. And that I was married. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was all fine, but, uh, but I think it was one of those situations where, you know, she came into, um, I'm talking about my ex-girlfriend came into a situation where I was already married. So she accepted the existing person, but anyone new coming in after her was a threat. So, and I think um, this is really common. Actually, I think people oftentimes you come into a new relationship dynamic and you accept sort of the pre-existing conditions Mm -hmm. that are there. But when a new person comes in, that feels much more threatening and scary. Yeah. Which it is threatening and scary, but I had dated other people while I had been dating this, this serious ex-girlfriend and I dated other people and that it always kind of 
been a problem with that ex-girlfriend. Um, and, and I had made a decision when I met Laura, I was like, I'm not going to let this ex-girlfriend mess up my relationship with Laura. I really like Laura. And so it, it eventually it exploded big. Yeah. Fireworks. It was, it was bad, but it took about a year. Yeah. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, um, quite the thing, but we got through it and, uh, and now here we are. But there's Just a little more things. There's a little more. <laughs> so for, and for, for the first like six months of, of our relationship, my um, husband at the time was dating, but not really finding anyone that he clicked with. And that is also really hard. I think that's also another thing that a lot of couples face in polyamory specifically, as opposed to swinging where it's something you're doing together in polyamory, you're bound to have one person find a a partner. And it's usually, it's usually easier for women. It is often easier for women women to find dates. And also I'm extroverted and and my then husband is very introverted and it's just more challenging. I think it was for him anyway, to go through the dating scene as an introvert and online dating and things like that. But, um, that particular period when I had this really strong connection with a new partner and he wasn't clicking with anyone was especially difficult for us in our marriage. We spent hours and hours every day processing, talking, you know, supporting him through how he was feeling but eventually he met, um, a girlfriend, he met a, a woman and who became his girlfriend, uh, who was fantastic. And he really just, they, they're very, got very close, very fast. They really hit it off. She, there, was, there was a golden period for about a six month, months, two, a few months, about six, we'll call okay. it six months. But yeah, so I, and the, the thing is we also did continue to get together as like threesomes and foursomes. So David would come and stay at our house yeah, sometimes not, with us. And, clarified, not sexually. This was just hanging out. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, but he would come <laughs> to our house and, you know, and, I would, I would come visit you, visit you at your place. Yeah, you and would you come got visit along my with place. my husband yeah. and I would come over and stay at your place. And I got along with your wife, mm-hmm. not really with your girlfriend, but with your wife. Yeah. And then once he, once my husband started dating someone like she and I really hit it off as friends. I think she's a wonderful person. And for a while, the four of us would spend time together. They, David, would come and she would come and we'd all four spend time together and yeah. then we'd pair her off for the night. The golden period. I yeah. really thought we'd hit poly nirvana. Yeah, it was for a while. Everybody liked each other. Everyone got along. We were all happy. David's relationship with his then girlfriend kind of ended over a period of time. And then it felt like we were on smooth sailing from there. And then things started going wonky in my marriage. At first, I I think I didn't really realize what was going on, but there was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of dynamic uh, with my then husband that started getting really bad really quickly. And after a couple months, I realized that my marriage was ending and confronted him about it. And he acknowledged that that's where things were going. So that started the divorce process, which was, it was not smooth. 
And so the first year of our relationship was, was colored a lot by David's relationship with his girlfriend deteriorating. And, um, and there was a, there was a lot of conflict. It wasn't just like something that happened over on his side. There was a lot of conflict between her and I, and a lot of it happened through him. Yeah. It's tough being the middleman in that kind of situation. It's really difficult, especially when you're trying to convey the other person's thoughts and feelings to to the, you know, the, the third person. It's, 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 it's a fool's game. I didn't realize it until my, too late. Though. It's a recipe for disaster. We highly recommend not getting stuck in the middle, but no. having people talk directly to if each other. If you have metamors who are having issues, have them talk to each other. Do not try to co- ca- like be the couch, the couch, the coach. Excuse me. <laughs> <Mediate>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't try to mediate. So. And so that, so that was the first year. And then the second year was heavily tinged by my divorce, the disintegration of my marriage and a, a very painful and difficult divorce process that I went through. I mean, I think divorce is always painful and difficult, but. So. And then we mixed it up by. Oh, and then yes. Right. <laughs> so then right around the same time that my divorce was finalized, I found out I was pregnant. And that was a total surprise. It was not planned. Um, Again, we were living about two hours apart from each other. I was going through a divorce, a career change. I had been homeschooling my children their whole lives and had just transitioned them to school. I was finishing up my degree because I hadn't finished it at the conventional time and was changing careers and then all of a sudden, I was expecting a baby with someone who was married and lived two hours away from me. Yeah. And that was... Which was um, David, just to be clear. Yeah, just to clear. It, wasn't, it wasn't another partner that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> no, that's me. Yeah. No, and that was... Um, I, I mentioned briefly like that when my ex-wife and I started that we had rules that we followed. And one of the, yeah, and those fell away as we became more comfortable. The, the one remaining rule that was don't have another baby with someone else. And so here we were. But that was her yeah. rule. That was her request. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it still feels like I, I don't know, like I failed, you know, it, it felt very similar to, you know, the whole cheating thing. I just felt very bad about it. But at the same time, excited. It was a very strange time because I was I was very excited about, oh, I'm going to have a baby with this person I love. And, and I was super excited about that, but at the same time feeling like I had let down this other person. So it was a very difficult, difficult mix of emotions, I would say. And I was terrified. Uh, yeah. Because um, I had no idea what this might look like. I wasn't at all sure I should go through with it. Uh, we talked about not going through with it. I didn't like that idea. But, I know. No, I, I went. I went into nesting mode. So uh, you know, and just you know, we. I. I so I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this because this was a. A mistake that I don't want other people to make. So, so I'm gonna. I went into nesting mode. I was like, we all need to live together. We need to get a house. We need to all move in together. 
all, all our kids need to come together under one big house. So that was my big plan. And it was just, a beautiful just, dream. Yeah. And just to be clear, right. so, yeah. So Laura, you had separated from your husband, so you know, we're longer, no longer we're in that relationship and, but you still have two kids with him. And then uh, David, you were still, oh, three, I'm sorry, three children. Yes. And then David, you were still married with two kids too. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so you uh, thought about moving all the kids and you guys and your wife in together. Yes. Both of David's kids were in college at that point. Just. Just. Yeah. 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 So I thought this was a great idea and I kind of pitched it. And honestly, I was so laser focused on like creating a, a home for this new baby that was coming that I didn't pay attention to the cues that people were giving me that they weren't comfortable with this, you know, that my, that Laura wasn't comfortable. My ex-wife wasn't comfortable. My, my kids weren't comfortable with it. You know, they barely knew the other kids. They had met them, but they barely knew them, you know? And so it, it, well, it was a shit show basically. <laughs> so, yes, uh, so, um, we did, we, we were in the house that we bought. So you went to, through with it. You all moved in together. We did. Yeah. It was an ex it, I think that those were some of the most difficult conversations with your then wife that I've ever had in my life was in that decision-making process. I mean, it was, this was, this is not just like, Oh yay, well, we're in together. I mean, this was sobbing tears, betrayal. I mean, it was, it was hard. And this is, yeah. I mean, just to be clear, a year of one long-term relationship disintegrating, a year of my marriage disintegrating, and then launched into unexpected, unplanned pregnancy. And, and his wife, who very much did not want any of this to be happening at all. Yeah. So it was, I feel like we're a polyamory cautionary tale. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Uh, and... You've so, learned from your experiences. <laughs> yes. And we're here to share them so other people can learn from our experiences and not have to go through it themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we did, we did all move in together. But I think, and I think this is really what it came down to for me is at the time that we found out I was pregnant, David and I had been together for about two years. And I had been that, you know, that whole first, maybe six months, um, over at his house, like every other week. And then for the year and a half after that, I had been there, I mean, pretty much once a week during the week. And then every other weekend, I'd spend the whole weekend at his house. I had spent quite a lot of time with his family and with his wife, but Somehow in all that time, we never really got past like cordial pleasantries. Yeah. She never really had any interest in getting to know me as a person or becoming friends with me. And so when we were all moving in together, even though David and I had been developing our relationship for two years, his wife and I were not more than bare acquaintances. Queens. There was no trust between us. There was no relationship between us. There was no sense of shared yeah. 
it didn't work. Shared goals. <laughs> but, yeah. And so it, it just, it just didn't work. I mean, moving in together is stressful under the best of circumstances. And David and I went through a lot of stress with our own relationship, just adjusting to living together. Well, it's, but, yeah, it's, it's very, um, I guess it's difficult to go from living with someone for 20 years and then living with someone else who does things entirely different and, you know, and has different routines and ways they do things. It's, it's really throws things for a loop. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, try to do that with, you know, two entire families and it's, it's just, it was too much. Well, and the kids too. I mean, the kids would be like, how can they, you know, how do they, how can they leave their glasses all over the table? Well, how can they leave their doors open all the time? You know, it's just like silly little things that you don't think about that are normal for your family that it's just kind of baffling to other people. It's like, we would never do that, you know? So there's a lot of friction there, which, which contributed to it blowing up. And so eventually, uh, my ex-wife moved out and uh, got her own place back where we used to live. And the kids, uh, you know, basically stay at, at college. You know, and so the old my older kids. So yeah, so that all blew up. But <laughs> so how long did you guys all live together? About a year was it? It was about a year. Okay, well, so like through yeah. the, through the birth of the baby and everything. Yes. yes, it was about yeah. a year, yeah. but it was about six months of really trying to make it work and six months of this has not worked. It needs to end, but it takes time to untangle lives and find new places to live and move on. But yes, our, our baby was born in the middle of that. <laughs> so where does that bring you to now? Where does that bring us to now? So I was, I was going to say, so we've been talking a lot about like polyamory and, and that journey. But, uh, you know, since basically since we moved in together, Laura and I, we've been exploring other areas of, of non-monogamy. Right. Well, when we found out that I was pregnant, um, we agreed to sort of shut things down to new partners for a period of time. I felt really strongly, you know, having seen and lived through NRE, that new relationship energy where you're just completely like out of your mind in love with someone and everything sparkles when you walk down the street and you can never think of anyone but this person. I felt really strongly that with this new baby coming into our life, that we needed to have all of our emotional energy to fall in love with this new baby that we shouldn't be distracted by some other new partner that might be catching our attention, but that this baby deserved to have us fall in love with him and have him make our world sparkle. So we agreed to not start any new relationships until some period of time after the baby was born. And then at the point where we felt like we could start opening up because we were both very clear that we didn't want to return to sexual monogamy. Yeah. But we also had experienced a lot of trauma, frankly. Relationship turmoil. Yeah. It was really traumatic, all the breakups that we went through. and, And we lived through those experiences with each other and, um, very much didn't want to live through more of them. 
So we started reevaluating, you know, is polyamory the right model for us? You know, we experienced this ourselves and we watched so many of our friends that we made in polyamory where they're in a relationship, they open their relationship, someone falls in love with a new person, all of their time and energy shifts to the new person and the pre-existing relationship goes on autopilot. And just starts to wither for lack of time and attention. And this is, we've seen that many times. Not to say that, you know, that's always the case, but I think it takes very, very specific people to, uh, very specific personalities that most people are not to to make it work. And it takes, I think it takes a real intention. You have to be, you have to have a level of self control and self awareness to be able to see that you're all excited about this shiny new person and to consciously nurture and pay attention to your pre-existing relationship. Because if you don't, it's going to wither. So we started exploring other areas. Um, we went to swing clubs and... Yeah, we tried dabbling and swinging. Yeah, we went to some hotel takeovers, which were like uh, just a huge bottle of anxiety for me. I just can't not relax. <laughs> Those were not your, your no. environment. I was like, this is not my thing. So, um, I had fun. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, yeah, I think I'm better in small groups. This, th- those hotel takeovers were too big. Well, I think what we came to by sort of exploring that is that, that, like polyamory wasn't really feeling like the right fit for us and swinging was not feeling right. The, like the right fit for us. And what we wanted was something in between the two, something where there is relationship. You know, we both realize that neither of us are like really looking for, and I think especially you are not really comfortable with casual sex with someone you don't know at all. And I like to at least, you know, know someone a bit, you know, so yeah, wanted- well, you've used this term before and I think we can use this, uh, that, that you're like, we're not into sport fucking. <laughs> can we say that on your podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can say, you, you can, can say, say whatever you can you say want. the word sport. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I know it's a dirty word. <laughs> um, yeah. So we just felt like, um, the interactions that we were exposed to with swinging were um, too impersonal, um, too focused on just the sex and not relationship. And then, the, but the fo- the interactions we had with polyamory were kind of focused too much on relationship and developing. Re- like it just felt very much like there was expectation that you were going to develop full on relationships with mm-hmm. people you were dating. And we were looking for something that was like, had some, um, emotional and intellectual connection, some sort of ongoing basis, but not a full on relationship. And what we realized that we really wanted was like friends with benefits. (laughs) That's what we were looking for. And let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with sport fucking. I don't want to slut shame anyone. I just, I just want to say that it's not for me. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fair. And we, we all have our preferences. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Right. For sure. Yes. No, and we we totally get it. And so Yeah, yeah if that's what lights your fire. You so you're you're now <laughs> navigating the Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So you're now navigating the 
Friends with Benefits. The Friends with Benefits Avenue at the moment. Yeah. So, so for you know, when we started looking into the swinging world, we also like went on some dates with other couples, and we tried to find people that we hoped that we could do kind of a Friends with Benefits thing with. But everyone we found was a little tweaked. I would say. So <laughs> we found a few people that were a little tweaked. Yeah. But what we also found is that it's just really, and I think anyone oh. in the swinging world will definitely be able to understand this because it relates to that just as much. It's just really hard to find a good four-way connection. Yeah. I mean, it's exponentially more difficult than like, I, it's not that hard for me to go out and find someone I'm interested in dating all by myself. But for me to like and be attracted to the male partner and feel comfortable with the female partner and enjoy being friends with her. And then David to like, and feel attracted to the female partner and feel comfortable being friends with a male partner. That's a lot of people that have to, and then all of it has to reverse. They all have to like, and be attracted to us too. And what we found is we found lots of situations where two or three of those dynamics were in place but it, someone wasn't interested in someone yeah. and it, and that was the deal breaker. So just finding that four way connection and attraction is very challenging. Yeah. But we did it. We, we did. <laughs> uh, well, we, we kind of, we kind of, uh, we flipped some friends, we flipped some friends. Yeah. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so you hacked the system. <laughs> yeah. yeah we had some friends that um we were both attracted to them the attraction was definitely there the friendship was there they were in a monogamous marriage and very slowly but they were aware that we had an open relationship and um very slowly and gradually more and more flirting happened and and then we got to a point where we were sure of three of the dynamics, there was definitely a attraction and, and enjoyment of between three people, but there was one member of the couple that we weren't sure of. And, and that person ended up pulling the trigger and being like, so what if we just did this? (laughs) And and then we were off to the races. So that is a, a high risk maneuver that you just (laughs) dropped. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I would almost say like, I wish you hadn't because I feel like we could spend an hour dissecting like how that how that whole thing happened. So I'm I'm no, a, there, there's so much of their story I we know, could dissect. I know we I have know, to just get I the know, high this level. Is, this is the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that's amazing. So it's so so far, maybe let's say it's it's been going good so far. It's been going great so far. And I think part of that is because we've actually been moving really slowly. Yeah. And, um, and we all agree that the, f- the most important thing to everybody is the like committed live-in partnership of the pre-existing couple on each side. And that if either of those start to go wonky, we go back to just being friends. Like all four of us, are committed to the well-being of our own two-person relationship and their two-person relationship. Mm-hmm. And then after that, our next priority is maintaining a strong friendship. Mm-hmm. And if the sexy times work in addition to that, yeah. that's just gravy. Yeah. So we've been moving slowly and just making sure everybody feels comfortable before we take the next step. Yeah. 
Perfect. Yeah. Well, I think maybe for that one, we will, maybe we can leave it there and then we can revisit it in a year with you guys and see where it's at. Because <laughs> I, uh, I, I know you guys uh, also have formed Polycamp out yeah, there in the we Northeast and we wanted to have you talk, talk about, about that a little bit. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. So a few years back, four years now. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was pretty early in our relationship. Yeah, pretty early in our relationship, uh, Laura w- was like, w- we used to go to this event that, that would kind of sell out, essentially. We do sometimes still go to it. But it would sell out, it would get get full, and you couldn't get into it. It was like a lottery system. And we're like, oh, that maybe we should do our own event. And Laura mentioned, oh, I really loved going to summer camp when I was a kid. Maybe we could do like an adult summer camp. And that was her, her excellent idea. And so we ran with it, and I've I've been a member of uh, the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronisms, which is a medieval reenactment group. And uh, I've gone to many events uh, across New England, and had gone to this particular camp before for one of those events. So I was like, that place would be perfect. And so we went and checked it out after checking out other places as well. But we checked this place out, and we're like, yes, this would be perfect. And so we pulled the trigger that first year uh, in 2017, right? Or was it? I don't. No, 16, 2016. 2016. It was 2016 was the first year, and and uh, we we decided we're just we're going to do this, and so we threw it out there and got uh, mostly a lot of friends from that other event and other poly friends and whatnot to come to camp and and a few people, we had a, a fair number of people that were friends of theirs, but they never friends. met us, mm-hmm. but they knew people who knew us, so they were will and. And even some people that no one knows, they're just, there were some brand, some other new people too. Right. But yeah, that first year we had about 50 people. Yeah. Um, and I remember at one point we weren't sure we'd be able to pull it off. <laughs> Laura was like, I don't think we can do this. We can't afford it. And I was like, ah, no, we can't quit now. I was like, I was like, I'm going to throw in money if we need to, to make this happen. But, but we, didn't we didn't have, have enough to. people signed up for it. And right. We thought we were going to have to cancel it. And it was literally in the last week before camp that we got another 10 people to sign up. And we just barely, yeah, we, just we barely broke, even. broke even. Yeah, we just barely broke even. <laughs> so, but what, what an amazing time though, because uh, Polycamp is a participant driven event. So basically we ask people who come to share something to or, you know, facilitate a talk to uh, run a little class or whatever. And we do, we do lots of things. We do lots of um, like summer campies type stuff, uh, you know, arts and crafts stuff. Slip and slide. Right. A talent show. Right. As well as, as stuff that's um, uh, has to do with polyamory or open relationships. Um, talking about like STIs, um, talking about how to navigate relationships, things like that. Communication. Communication. Um, but one of the biggest things that happened that first year was, um, so we had all these people will write in and they'll offer to teach a class. And then we make a schedule out of what everyone who's coming to camp offers to teach. And so we had the schedule all made and printed up. And we arrived the night before camp started to get set up and settled in. And, um, and the owner of the camp came to meet us as we got there and show us around. And we had just told the owner of the camp that it was a reunion of friends. Yeah, we didn't go into detail. And then he, we got there and he was like, hey, do you guys have like a schedule of events that we could see just so we have an idea of what's going on? And we're like, uh-huh. <laughs> And we handed him our schedule, which had like 
Well, there's like a BDSM, BDSM 101. 101. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that on it. And we were just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get kicked out. Yeah, they're not going to let us come back next and year. And his whatever, father, you know. like he was probably, he's in his 30s, I think, but his father also owned, or father in law uh, owned the camp with him. And he was there. And we were just like, oh my uh, God. Let's see what happens this with is going to be yeah. bad. But they were totally fine. They never said anything about it. We got through the weekend and we're like, I don't know, we might need to find a new place next year. And he came to us and he said that this was an awesome event. We loved having you guys. You have a great group of people. If you're going to do this again, we'd love to host you again. And we're like, really? We're like, we weren't sure how you were going to feel about the nature of the event. He's like, ah, you know, we're just a bunch of old hippies. We're fine with it. And um, and so the next year we were able to be like, Hey, so would it be okay if we added skinny dipping? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. As long as you stay within the swimming area. Yeah. So <laughs> Don't let the neighbors see. And they've been really great. And, and each year it's, it's grown a little bit, uh, you know, a few more people each year and, uh, we've added different things. We actually, um, added, we had, we had, uh, cuddle parties, which, from and the beginning. From the beginning. Yeah. Which people like, but but it, it ended up a lot of people were being a little more friendly than just cuddling. So we're like, okay, there's a need here for something else. And so we added um, a sensual space. So uh, that's we've had that in the last couple of years. Well, two um, years ago, we started it. We started, we decided, it. We started it. And um, two years, when we first introduced the idea, we actually had some backlash there's from some of the participants. Some controversy. Um, between kind of polyamory and swinging worlds, you know, uh, right. Because apparently it's not enough that, you know, the outside world doesn't, doesn't, you know, looks down on open people, but we have to fight, have infighting. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was something that was new information for me, I guess, is just that there's, there is a bit of tension oftentimes between the polyamory communities and the swinging communities, you know, the polyamory viewing things more of like, it's not not all about the sex, it's about the relationships. And so wanting to distance themselves from swingers where it's primarily focused on the sex and swingers often feeling like the whole concept of polyamory where you know, in, in the swinger world, it's like, you don't, you, you're not supposed to fall in love with people. You know, it's just about the sex. You can be friends, but it's just about the sex. And so there, that, that community can often feel threatened by the concept of polyamory where you might fall in love with someone that you're having sex with that isn't your spouse. And so we're trying to sort of take this polyamory event that we created and, and sort of shift it into being a little bit of, of more of a crossover event of a central event and make sure that the full range yeah, the of full open spectrum. relationship structures can be represented there and can be served there. But some of, some of the people um, from sure. the polyamory community were upset about just the very few role. actually is very few, but it only takes, you know, fly, one fly in the ointment, you know, to, to cause right. issues. So, but um, the majority of the community actually really embraced it. It was really interested yeah. in it. And so the first year it was a little bit of a tentative start to it, but by the second year we were feeling more bold and our community was feeling I think starting to get more comfortable with the idea, you know, and, and I also think there were a lot of people who realized that a lot of 
things that happen in polyamory are a little more swingerish. Yeah, and and vice versa. Yeah, what I think too that it's it's very much there's there's not a hard line a lot of times, right? There's a lot of blend over, a lot of a lot of hybrid sort of dynamics where it's we're really good friends who have sex or we're in a relationship, but we also allow outside partners at times. And so I think it's amazing that you guys have created a, a space for people to to find whatever it is that works for them, right? If they come and it's full polyamory for them and they don't want any of the swinging, they can do that. If it's just swinging, they can do that. But there's the space is open for anything that they want to create there. I think that's what we loved about mm-hmm. hearing that. Yeah, no, when you reached out to us and told us about your event, we were really, really excited about it. Yeah, and we, so this past year, we actually like dedicated a cabin that we called the Sensual Space, and we had two campers um, that were really excited to decorate it. And they pulled in a couple other people that, that were friends or in relationship with them. And there was a whole group of people that really, just um, went to town and decked up the cabin with fabric and lights and candles and like totally transformed this like summer camp cabin into this fun, um, sexy, sensual space that was open um, two of the three nights of camp for for play of whatever level people wanted. And there was space where people could engage in open play. And it was like, okay, if you're in this room, this is an open play space. So you understand that other people may be watching you. And then there were some other areas that were a little bit more private where people could duck off and have, you know, one-on-one or small groups and not be watched if they went into that area. I will say that we've also uh, added more kind of um, personal relating stuff over the years. Mm -hmm. Like that first year was, was, it was pretty uh, laid back as far as like, this is, this is a fun camp, you know, and, and we keep it, kept it kind of light. And, and but, uh, but we found that people really kind of crave that, um, you know, connection and, and, uh, intentional community building. There you go. And, and, uh, oh, authentic relating, uh, that type of stuff. And it's really, it's been really powerful. It's really nice uh, to like get, get together with people and just be vulnerable and open and be able to talk to them about how you're feeling and whatnot. And, and I think it really builds relationships. And, and this is coming from someone who is, I'm not a spiritual person, you know, I've, and I, and in fact, I don't consider this stuff spiritual. I consider it, um, you know, just getting to know people and being authentic, but it's really, uh, powerful. Uh, and we've delved more into that in the last few years, uh, but we still keep it light. It's still a lot of fun. We do, you know, pickleball, we do sock wrestling, where you try to steal someone's sock off their foot. You know, we, we do fun stuff, slip and slide, you know, so we do all the fun stuff. And then we have, you know, those nice serious moments where you can get to know people. So. And playtime. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, there's playtime. I would say, so to be clear, like this is a long weekend. You do it just the, a weekend, not longer than that. Right. Yeah, it's it's a Friday to Monday, so you arrive Friday and leave Monday around noon. Um, and so you get two full days and three nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've thought about doing it for longer, but I don't know that we could sustain it for for longer. Yeah, no, I think that's a great amount of time. You get the experience. Yeah. 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 And I know we're in the middle of this um, coronavirus madness right now when we're recording, but are you still planning at the moment to have your event this summer? 
Yeah, yes. it's it's not until August, so hopefully by that time um, things will be more normal. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's, it's scheduled for the August fifteenth weekend, and um, yeah, so yes, August fourteenth to seventeenth. Yeah, and um, we are hoping that everything will have subsided by then, and uh, we'll be able to go on with camp as normal. We always have room for new people. It's every year is a mix of returning campers and new campers. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a lot of fun. The group is incredibly welcoming um, and supportive. Yeah. And it's, and we have all kinds, you know, we have like solo people, we have uh, couples, quads, triads, you know, everything you can imagine, um, you know, young, old, uh, just it's a really great mix yeah, of people. All, a full spectrum of um, uh, gender identity, gender identity, and sexual, sexual identities. Yep. Yeah. Everything. It's, it's all good. It's beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll put links to your website and how to sign up and find out more information in the show notes yeah. for anyone who's curious. Yeah, and right. and thank you both for coming on, sharing your your story, and we're super excited to hear the the one year update. Well, I was just going to say, like, from, I know this is, like, we've covered a lot of ground in the last hour. And, you know, you two have had an incredible, I'm sure somewhat stressful five years of a relationship. But, like, between dealing with relationships ending and marriages ending, moving in together, having a baby, starting a poly camp, that's crazy. Like, that you guys. Made all of David's hair fall. No, I still got yeah, just shifted down to his beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah. I, what I was going with that is, I hope that you know, obviously, you two are still in a um, choosing to be together and wanting to be together and grow together, and that's amazing. And I'm hopeful that maybe things will be a little stress less stressful moving forward for both of you. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you. That'd be nice. <laughs> Well, we're sending that your way. Well, um, thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, no, we're we're honored, and thank you for sharing, and and we're excited to help promote Polycamp and and everything you guys are creating. So, thank you again. Thank Thanks you. Welcome. We're, no, we're back. Oh, we're back. <laughs> are you stealing this from me? From no, now on? no, just do it yourself. Try it again. We're back. Yeah. We're back. We are back. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura and David. We were so happy that you were willing to come on your on the show and share some of your tale. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Share your tale of the last five years. And we're excited to get your story out there. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited to get Polycamp out there. It's everything you've told us about it. We are hoping we can get there. Exactly. I know. We really hope we can go. Hopefully they have Wi-Fi. We can work from Polycamp. <laughs> Uh, I think if you're at Polycamp, you're supposed to not supposed to not to work. Okay, we're gonna take Polycamp weekend off and put it on the calendar. Next week we have an interview with Irene on our Wednesday show as usual. Yep, it's a fantastic talk, and we hope you enjoy it. And again, don't forget to sign up for the virtual meet and greet, which is one week from tomorrow. And we hope to see you there. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of the show. Normalizingnamanami.com, just in case you forgot. Just in case you forgot. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.